0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. I am your host, Hayden Thomas, and with me is just me, Pastor Evan, is out of town at the recording of this podcast. We always look forward to having commentary from Pastor Evan, but this week, you just have me, but... The voices may change, but the mission never does. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Church, this last week we spent another sermon in our series entitled Kingdom Happiness. This weekend verse 4, we were talking about those who mourn. And so if you'll follow along with me in the text, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the preaching point, the main focus in this text is simply this, that kingdom happiness belongs to people who grieve over their sin and turn to Jesus for forgiveness, for they will be comforted. And in the sermon, we focused on three points. The first point was to allow mourning to lead you to repentance. It seems paradoxical, but if we want the comfort that comes from God, if we want allowance of the kingdom happiness that He promises for all of His children, we should mourn our sin. We should mourn the brokenness when it comes to our relationship between us and God, and then we should turn from it. It should lead us to repentance. And that, my friends, will lead us to kingdom happiness because our position has now been changed from an enemy of God to a friend of God. And that is point number two. You should rejoice in your renewed position. There are many things to mourn about in the Christian life. There are so much for you and I to still be concerned with that should still grieve us. But the one thing that we shouldn't grieve about, the most important thing that has changed in our life, that will change our eternity, is we are now rejoicing in our renewed position. We no longer grieve because of our broken relationship with God. We may grieve over uh, many, many other things that are sinful, that even in our own lives could cause us to grieve because of our own sinful disposition. But the one thing that we should always be brought back to is the rejoicing that we have in our renewed position. With God the Father and our admittance into the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, the final point in this sermon was that we should anticipate comforting and encouragement. There are a lot of ways in the sermon, and we may get into some of those details in a moment, that should bring us the comfort and encouragement promised for the Christian in God's kingdom but we should anticipate it because we know it's there. And what we talked about in the sermon is this is primarily an eschatological comfort. This is a comfort that is coming at the end times, is coming at the return of Christ because we see the verb tense even in verse 4. Blessed are those, that's a present tense. Blessed are those now. Happy are those now who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That future tense there, they shall be. It's not something that we're going to have now in all of its glory, in all of its totality. But it is something that we shall have in its fullness, manifested in full glory, the comfort that we will have at the return of Christ. And so as we dive in a little bit more there, I'd like to show us in a couple of Old Testament passages how we, uh, how Scripture applies these three points and what we can learn from those, particularly from the life of King David. And so, you can put your eyes on if you're listening to this in the car. Just listen to these verses first from 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 3. In 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 3. We have here uh, the instance after David, King David, had committed adultery with Bathsheba, gotten her pregnant, and then put Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, on the front lines to be murdered so that David's sin would not be found out. And, sure enough, nothing escapes God's uh, sovereignty. Nothing ex- escapes God's purview. He knows it's happening. And so God had sent uh, Nathan the prophet to David to show him just how wrong he was. And this is what it says in, uh, in Samuel there in the text, Second Samuel 12, starting in verse 1. And the Lord sent to Nathan David... And he came to him and said, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds. The poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had brought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his flock from his herd to prepare it for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then in verse 5, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity on the poor man. And Nathan said to David, this really important aspect of our own grief over our sin that we should understand Nathan says to David, you are the man. You're the one. You're the rich one who took from the poor man. You're the one who stole what wasn't yours and took it to yourself in Bathsheba. And you're the one. You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hands of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you so much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall not depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife." Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has put away your sin, and you shall not die. Nevertheless, because this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you from Bathsheba shall die. And Nathan went to his House, And we see this same scene in its poetic form in Psalm 51, where we see David's response to his sin before a holy God. And this is what he says in the same scene, the same scenario as the sin of David is brought to him from God through the prophet Nathan. This is what David says in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. I mean, think about the picture that we even see just here. David has sinned against a lot of people. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his nation that God has placed him over to rule. But when we look at this text, who does he say he sins against? David says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. That's very telling of the way that David mourns his sin, he recognized that there is no sin that is done that isn't a direct sin against the holy God of the universe. And that causes him to mourn. Of course, he's sinned against other people. But the focus here and the reality of King David is he knew all sin is sin against God because God is the one who gave us objective morality. And so any Objective morality that has been breached, any of them that has been broken, is a sin against other people only because first it was a sin against God. And so against you and you only have I sinned, and that was evil in your sight. Behold, in verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And I love verse 7 when it talks about repentance, when it talks about the desire to be right before the God. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I love verses 7 and 8, because in order to be clean, in order to be purified, in order order to be right before God, notice what David says, God, you have to do this. If I shall be clean, you have to do it. You have to wash me. You have to make me righteous. I can't do it on my own. In verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 10, God, you create me in cleanliness. You make me righteous. You clothe me in the righteousness of Christ. All these things come from you. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. I love it. He said, I have sinned and I'm going to teach other people as as I've turned and as I've repented and responded rightly to uh, your offer to forgive me of my sin, I'm going to go and I'm going to teach other people. We want to look at these points that we were talking about this week. We're going to allow mourning to lead us to repentance. Amen. Let's turn from our sin. Rejoice in our renewed position. We're going to rejoice. Hey, here's where I am, holy and righteous in the sight of the Lord, not because of my own work, because of the work of Christ. I'm going to rejoice in that. And I'm going to make sure I'm telling other people exactly how they, too, can be Righteous in the sight of God through Christ. Sinners are going to return to you because of the work that I'm doing to tell people what Jesus has done for me. And I love verse 16 and verse 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it, and you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. This simply says this that my sin, good works, uh, trying to do things to earn God's forgiveness are never going to work. God doesn't delight in those things. Uh, the sacrifices of God that are pleasing to Him are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. If you want to come to God, there's one way to come to God. Broken, spirited, broken-hearted, ready to receive the forgiveness of God. I love those texts because it shows us exactly what we can be looking at here. If we desire the, the happiness that belongs to the kingdom, we have to come with a broken heart, ready uh, to turn to God and in that is where we're going to find kingdom happiness, because it's at that point where nothing else in our world can can trump or uh, eradicate the happiness that comes from a renewed position in God's kingdom. Because you can't take that away. Rust and moth destroy; thieves break in and steal. But everything that belongs to the kingdom of God will be preserved forever. And that's the commitment that God has given us, that all the things that belong to him will be his. There's another text in the New Testament that that brings us to this same point, that we should mourn our sin, rejoice in our position, and be comforted. And you can find it in James 4, 6 through 10. I want you to notice that it doesn't seem comforting in the way that our world would see it. It seems like it can be almost punitive, like we've talked about. There can be a punishment here. It can be, uh, the reality is that God is calling us to do something, and that is to repent. And it says in James 4, verses 6 through 10, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, here we are, God... Chooses those who humble themselves, those who are poor in spirit, those who are mourning. Those are the one that, the, the ones that God sees, not the, the, the proud. He opposes them. Verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, in verse 8, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Here it is. You, you understand, you're a sinner. you got to purify your heart. You're double-minded. You should mourn and weep because you're wretched before the sight of God. And then it continues in verse 9. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. There it is again, that paradoxical reality that if you want kingdom happiness, you're going to, If you if you're laughing now in your own way and you're laughing in your own will and you aren't giving a second thought to God, your laughter should be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Because remember, those who mourn now, they are the ones who will be comforted. And as we talked about on the weekend, Luke 6.25 says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And so the point here is we're either going gonna, gonna, gonna to mourn now or we're going to mourn then. And so it's better to mourn over our sin now so that when we are face to face before God, we don't have to mourn. We can rejoice because we will be comforted if we will mourn over our sin and turn to Christ today. And then finally, in verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I love that. Verse 9, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself today, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's what it says there in verse 6. And then verse 10, it says, Humble yourself. The Lord will exalt you. It's God's will to clean you. It's God's will to make you righteous. It's God's will to exalt you. And if anybody wants to be righteous and clean and exalted before the eyes of the Lord without God doing it, if they want to try to do that in their own hands, in their own glory, then they are those who are going to mourn. And although they rejoice and although they laugh now, it'll be turned to gloom and mourning at the return. Of Christ, But we, we can anticipate comfort. We can anticipate encouragement. In so many ways here, like we talked about in the sermon, so many ways that we have the Holy Spirit in us now, that he guides us, he directs us, he convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, He gives us peace. He gives us comfort and help in guiding us through our life. We have a communal comfort that is for the comfort that we ought to have from our brothers and sisters in Christ as we are participating in the gospel ministry together. And then just as God is comforting us, we, according to 2 Corinthians 1, through 3-5, will comfort other people the way that God has comforted us. In all of those things, we have these promises that God will give us comforting and encouragement here. But so much of this is pointing to the future of the eschatological hope of comfort that we will receive when Jesus is our shepherd presently, that we will see him, he will be our God, and we will be his people, and he will guide us the springs of the living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And that is a promise that we have of the coming comfort from God. As you jump into your application questions this week, uh, these are going to be devotional in nature because we aren't having life group this week. Unless your life group is having a fellowship, our life groups is having a fellowship. Uh, even as we speak this evening, we'll be, as you listen to this, our group have probably already had its fellowship. We would encourage you, Always feel free to spend time with one another. You should be doing these things even outside of your group anyway. But our group is going to be doing this. We encourage you, even if your group's not meeting, go uh, have fellowship together. But these questions this week, because we will not be going over them uh, as a church in your life groups, these are questions I hope you're going to answer in your devotional, in your quiet time this week. And And I want, and I hope, and I've asked these questions and written them in a way where I hope that you can give some personal application. Uh, question three, read Romans 8, 31 through 39, when it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the question is, why is this regular reminder of your renewed position in Christ pivotal to living a healthy Christian life and experiencing genuine kingdom happiness? This question is great. How How is this verse a good reminder of your position in Christ before the God of the universe and why is understanding Romans eight thirty one through thirty-nine so important to living a healthy Christian life? And what is Romans eight thirty-one through thirty nine says? Well just give a look at it real quick so you can understand, you can even you can even contemplate right now why this is so important. What then shall we say to these things, Romans eight thirty one? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we he not also with him graciously give us all things. You see that comfort that's coming? You see the promise that's coming in the kingdom? Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who was condemned by God, right? Verse three. He. Verse 34, he's the one who died. More than that, he was who, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. I love that. There is no condemnation for us. We have Christ and he is in the presence of God interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? None of those things will separate us from the love of God. And our new position should give us great encouragement to tackle every day through the power of the Spirit to fulfill the will of God to make disciples of all nations. And it should allow us, as we focus on promises like this, to live a healthy Christian life and genuinely experiencing the kingdom happiness that God promises his children. So many more questions like this, and I I pray that you will take time this week to go over these application questions, and they would be a blessing to your life. We're going to look now at uh, some announcements that I want to bring before you, and, and one of the really big announcements that you're going to notice right now because you're probably asking, why why aren't we jumping into the DBR Spotlight? Well, here's our big announcement that we want to give to all of you. We are starting a brand new podcast. And so instead of doing the DBR Spotlight along with the Compass Equip podcast, we are now going to create uh, individual podcasts for both of these. And so this podcast here will just be the Compass Equip podcast. We will be talking through the sermon application questions Uh, We'll be talking through the sermon and extra sermon notes. And we'll also, through the sermon notes, be answering worldview questions. Like, why does the Bible tell us to mourn? And why doesn't the world mourn the way we do? It's a worldview question. So we're going to spend more time. We're going to lengthen the time that we are going to spend discussing questions from the sermon Uh, and we're going to then take the DBR Spotlight and we're going to make its own podcast called the Daily Bible Reading Spotlight Podcast. And there you will be able, every week, just like this podcast, you'll be able to find on our podcast platforms a longer commentary on the text that we will be reading that week. And so instead of truncating it and making it a small section Uh, that we do on this podcast, we're then going to make them both more robust, and we hope and pray more helpful for you as we uh, do these podcasts, that they would be more content for you and it'd be useful for you, and that's our prayer. So as we divide up these podcasts and make them their own, we pray that it would equip you better to apply the sermon and to also spend some more time helping you walk through your daily Bible reading each day. So that's a big announcement. We hope you're excited about that. But on some other announcements we have, we have our life group off week this week. Again, just reiterating that reminder, the spring break. We have no midweek, uh, no Adventure Club, no students, uh, but we want you guys to all hang out uh, outside of this. But we just want you to remind you, if you show up here on Wednesday, you may be the only one here, and you're welcome, but there's probably not going to be a lot of other people here with you. And then we have our prayer night on March 19th from 5 to 6.30 p.m., we love packing out our auditorium to pray together, and we've got a lot to pray about. We have a lot of things to pray about this month. April is packed full of gospel opportunities, and we need our church together praying for all the things that we have coming up, like our churchwide outreach, like Good Friday, like our Easter services, like our Family Matters conference, like our baptism services like the opportunity we have during this time of Easter where people are open more than regularly to hear the gospel, we need you to come to our prayer night so we can start praying for these things now, that God would answer us according to his will. So we invite you to that. With that, we have our Women's Fellowship coming up on March 25th, Churchwide Outreach, April 1st. It is not April Fool's. It's going to be April Gospel Outreach Day. So April 1st from 930 uh, to 1 p.m., we're going to be out in our community inviting people to church and sharing the gospel. And as always, we want going to remind you of our Easter weekend services, Good Friday, 4, 30, and 6 p.m. And then Easter Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with a great Easter celebration right after that. We want you to focus on inviting people to come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ at these services. And then finally, we we have two two last announcements. Our Family Matters Conference, we have 270 people so far registered for this. We hope to hit 500, and we want to see 500 souls here who are at this Family Matters Conference being equipped how to lead their homes the way that God desires. It's on April 15th. A lot of great speakers who are coming, a lot of great godly people who are going to speak on these areas of parenting, marriage, finance, and conflict management, plus a breakout for your teens. We want you to be there. You can register at compasshillcountry.org. It's $10 per person from sixth grade on up. And anyone under sixth grade, they are registering for free, and we will have child care for them as well. Final announcement, we want you to register for baptisms if you haven't already. We have baptisms coming up on April 23rd, so it's coming up on us quick. If you've not been baptized, we want to see you follow through in baptism as the obedience of the of the Christian and our first step of obedience in our faith to follow through in believer's baptism, to stand before your church and to say, Christ has saved me. I am a new creation. The old is gone Behold, the new has come. If you have not registered for baptisms and you've been saved, we encourage you to do that for our April 23rd baptism service. All right, Compass, we do pray and hope you have a wonderful spring break, and we look forward to joining you again this weekend.